When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. News just breaking there. I'll tell you about that. Schools aren't opening tomorrow in seven Irish counties. They're in the south of the country at the moment, but we'll keep an eye on that news as it develops with Storm Eunice approaching. This is a dangerous storm, folks, I can assure you. So batten down the hatches tomorrow. And if you don't have to travel, don't. That's my advice to you. Welcome to the show this Thursday afternoon. Lots of chat to come over the next couple of hours. And if you want to join in, it's 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in on 41 One of the finest commentators of his or any generation. I'm talking about the late, great Kevin Mallon. Kevin passed away after a short illness recently and was laid to rest yesterday. He plied his trade here on LMFM Radio during the golden years of Meath football. And just to give you a feel to begin today of the man and what he was about, here he is at the beginning of the 1999 All-Ireland Final between Cork and Meath. The last senior final of the millennium. Referee McCurdy, the 45-year-old from Galway, preparing to throw in the ball. The crowd barely able to contain themselves as the sun comes out. The ball is held in his hands. It's thrown up. The All-Ireland final of 1999 is on. And John McDermott has possession for me. Hits it left-footed up the far corner. There's a chase on out there for it. It's Donald Curtis that might just get there before that ball goes out over the end line. Or over the sideline. He does. He got it 13 metres out. Comes back outfield. He's 25 metres out. Sprays it back out to John McDermott. A return pass. John McDermott drops it. Tries to get it to the second attempt. It's picked up again out there by Nigel Crawford, bursting his way through. He's on the ground. He's won the free. Yeah, Kevin there as the game began and uh, Meath, of course, going on to win. And we'll come back to that commentary in due course. But I am so delighted to welcome to the show today two men who knew Kevin really, really well. Matty Kerrigan, who sat beside him in commentary on Many's a Big Game and Colm O'Rourke, who Kevin commentated on and worked alongside in St. Patrick's Classical School. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Jerry. Thank you, Matty, too, for joining us. Uh, Colm, if I could start with yourself. Oh, my God, the outpouring of uh, plaudits for this man has been remarkable and all so well-deserved. You knew him from both perspectives, as a professional in work and on the sporting front. Give us a feel for the man, what he was like, what he was about. 
Well, Jerry, he was a, he was a brilliant teacher. He he served here in St. Pat's for 39 years. He taught English and geography, mainly English. And he was meticulous in his preparation for everything he did. But he was the most pleasant man. He got on with everybody in school. He, he had a remarkable career here. I think he did not miss a day of work in his 39 years. So that was remarkable in itself. But he was easy and uh, got on with everybody and uh, his students loved him, not just respected him as a teacher. I, as principal of the school he, he for the last 15 years, uh, I was thrilled to have him as a teacher and tried to encourage him actually when he decided to retire. I tried to get him to continue on because he seemed to take it in his stride and he was able to do his job easy and he was a, a great friend and a loyal colleague to all of us. He was a source of good advice to everybody and staff, and he was friendly to everybody and yet retained a sort of private persona. He was very comfortable in his own skin, dedicated to the broadcasting and the print media and everything like that. I never saw a man who had so many notes in preparation for anything he ever did. He just was unbelievable. He needed to know every single detail about everybody. And, of course, he had a phenomenal interest in the game as well and had started off as a Mead minor back in 1973. So he was a gentleman and a scholar. Yes, he played football, his club football with Ballinlock, Old Castle and Dunamore. And as you said, uh, he was a, a, a very good player as well because he was goalkeeper for the Mead Miners in 73, Colm. Yes, absolutely. And he had a great passion for football and loved that area of Mead, uh, Ballinlock, the Old Castle area, had a real soft spot for him. Also a soft spot, his parents had come from down and I thought it was fitting in the church yesterday as he was sort of at the end of the Mass, they played the mountains of Moran Street down to the sea, and it was poignant, but mm. uh, it, it it was a touching moment for him, and it said something about his roots and uh, his love of place and uh, and his respect and interest in people as well. I think he, he was all of that. He, he had an inquisitive mind, but like he was always so friendly and so helpful. Uh, uh, he, he retired from here just a little story four years ago and uh, on the day of the holidays in summer he came in to me and he said I'm retiring and I had already spoken to him and I said Kevin make sure you do 40 years you know you no he says I'm going and I said well what about the staff none of them know and I said can I tell them and he said no and he said uh, and I said well when can I tell them and he says as soon as I walk out <laughs> you can tell them and that was him he didn't want any fuss he didn't want anybody saying goodbye to him or anything as he walked out the door and when he was gone I had his permission to tell people and that was it that was oh, the way he was what an amazing man Matty Kerrigan welcome to the show you sat beside him you were beside him in that on that day in the All-Ireland Final in 1999 for you Matty what about Kevin Mallon yeah well I'd agree with Colin there you know he was very comfortable I felt very comfortable in his company and very comfortable sitting beside him you know so he made you feel at ease you know uh, certainly in the commentaries and that sort of thing when we were uh, going into Crow Park uh, one of the things I do remember about him is that he'd arrived with a, an absolute stack of information on, mm. on board teams and players and all that sort of thing I'd be a little bit looser on that side of things <laughs> So uh, I used to say to him, you know, how are you going to get through all that? And he said, if it's a bad game, I'll get through the lot of it, you know. So uh, he was an excellent commentator, one of the best that uh, has been around, there's no doubt about that, you know. And I think you need a special talent to be able to do what he he did, you know, to be able to capture 
the excitement and and the the thrills and spills of a game and be able to you know get it across the airways into the homes of people you know and I think that's a special talent uh, that Kevin had uh, very few people do have that kind of talent Brendan uh, our present commentator has that talent as well but Kevin bought that sort of excitement and thrills <coughs> and spills into the homes of people and. Uh, I've no doubt they appreciate it as uh, we've seen in the condolences over the last uh, couple of days. Let's have a listen again and remind ourselves once more of what you just said there, Matty, what he brought to the game and the picture he painted for the listener. Here he is again uh, in the uh, Meath Cork 99 final. The kick out to the centre of the field. Up goes Nigel Crawford. A good punch from the big Dunboyne man. He gets it on to Barry Callan. He's going to knock down Ollie Murphy just to get it. Barry Callan plays it out to Evan Kelly. Evan Kelly back to Ollie Murphy. He'll go for a point. Knobs it in towards Graham Garrity. In the football line. Oh, he knocks it down there. And the meat there couldn't react fast enough. It's Richie Keeley. It's picked up there, though, by the Cork player. And then he drops it. And it comes back to Graham Garrity. Graham Garrity will go for the point. It's blocked. Held there by Trevor Giles. Trevor Giles has it. Oh, this is frenetic stuff. Oh, frenetic stuff indeed. <laughs> Colm O'Rourke and Matty, I'm, I'm there again. It's alive for me today. Colm, you know, you're, you're out there on the field. Did, did you ever listen back or hear that? You know, that type of excitement? I should look at we loved his passion for the game and like I, I think uh, as Matty was saying there he brought local radio alive like local radio is supposed to be for the locals you don't want a sort of an unbiased version you want somebody who's passionately involved and whether it's me or loud on the LMFM you want somebody that wants them to bloody well win and that they don't hide it and I think that's the great thing about local radio and LMFM have brought such rich character to sports broadcasting with Kevin and uh, Brendan Cummins presently. They've been brilliant for the game. And I remember back uh, I think the excitement, Matty would remember it as well, when LMFM did the first county final here in Mead and, you know, people will look back and say, Jesus, we must have lived in the dark ages. It's only about 30 years ago and it was a huge thing. LMFM were going to broadcast live the county final and you know, things have moved on, and of course, but those innocent days, it was such a big thing. And there was a huge amount of people who listened into it, as they do now. And Kevin Mallon was, of course, the man. And again, I think he got an award around that time oh, yes. as one of the best local broadcasters. But that was Kevin. He he lived mead and... Uh, it came out in his voice and his passion and his love of the game. And, of course, everybody knew him then. The players knew him and respected him as well. And you will never have heard in all those years of broadcasting, he wouldn't have said a bad word about any of those fellas. Yeah, that's a real testament to the man. Matty, did he, you know, Colm says he's a shy man. Look at the way he uh, walked away on his last day from teaching. He didn't want anybody to know. Were you ever with him when he was acknowledged or anyone, you know, said anything to him? Did he like that, you know, in a private type of way? No, I think he was a very private person in that kind of way. You know, very, very, very pleasant company and uh, very good company. But it uh, wasn't a fellow who sought the limelight in any way. That's, that's for sure. And... Uh, I remember being with him on a, on a couple of occasions after the matches. You know, we were both coming, what he'd be coming down a bit, and so would I uh, after meeting him. When, you know, he, uh, one of the things I admired about him, and Colin mentioned it there, you know, about his passion for uh, wanting me to win, you know, and uh, but he always called it very fair. He wasn't afraid to, mm. uh, if uh, some meat lost their closure line, he wasn't afraid to mention the likes of Colin Morocco off the ball tackle <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and he, he he did it well, you know, and, and yeah. I, I I always said the only time he probably became really biased is when he said, you know, God 
he must be a mead man. So uh, <laughs> that was after the Kildare game, you know. But yeah, he he was very good company, very pleasant fella, and uh, uh, one of the fellas like Colin said, he just walked away from it, and and you know, I I heard about him afterwards. Didn't meet him in latter years, you know, but was mm. was absolutely very very sad to hear of his death, and and it's 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 a. Uh, it's a pity because uh, I have no doubt he would have enjoyed his retirement years. Mm, certainly. Um, you know, Colin, when you mentioned it there, and, and Matty as well, for any commentator, preparation, attention to detail, knowledge, turn of phrase, the descriptive way he called the game as well, and the passion. He had it all, Colin. Ah, oh, he had it all. He had it all. But like, uh, um, what came out in Kevin on the day of the game was something he had practiced a hundred times before that game. He would often be talking to me here during the week about such and such a player. What would he do? What what he might? What way he might turn? What you know? Everything he'd nearly have it down to what he was going to eat for his breakfast on the day of the game. So when the action would start, he knew so much and so many details about everybody, and he had a library of information. Quite apart from the games themselves, the am- amount of material that he kept, he kept old papers, he kept scrapbooks, he kept uh, logs on everything. He went to the National Library there when he was uh, retired for the last few years. He'd do research in all sorts of obscure games. He'd write up different things. He wrote books on, uh, wrote a book there on the local area around Oldcastle. He just now was a mine of information. He couldn't just get enough, and that's what was so cruel to him in his last six months like you know mm. a man of like he was in phenomenal health when over the last few years and then he got struck down with this brain tumor no man looked after himself better he was fit as a flea he was so careful about what he ate he wouldn't eat sweets he wouldn't take sugar he wouldn't eat a bun or a cake whenever he'd be here in school and he took care of himself so well so then to, to suffer the way he did it mm. just was it doesn't doesn't seem fair that a man who contributed so much had to suffer like that oh my god yet yeah, there's no counting for it in life I want you both to listen to this because this is really special and it sums up what both of you have been talking about uh, and, and Kevin the professional the brilliant commentator here, are, here is the final moment or so of that 1999 final when Cork lifted Sam Maguire for the second time in four years and here is Kevin describing the action Paddy Reynolds gives it to Trevor Giles Trevor Giles but he's slowing up no he goes for the long ball it's all over Meath have done it again Meath end the millennium as all Ireland senior football champions a seventh title for Meath the record is impressive 50 years ago the first in 1949 Oh, brilliant, Matty. Just he had it, as Colin was saying there, he had it all ready to go. 
Yeah, you couldn't buy that, you know. That's that, even now listening to that, you know, I get a little bit of a tingle, uh, hair stand up on the back of your neck a little bit, uh, Jerry. You know, that's uh, that's uh, inspiring kind of stuff to be. Imagine sitting down at a fireside or a table at home and me winning an iron. You listen to that, and like Colm says uh, earlier, you know, probably. Uh, you know, uh, LMFM and, and, you know, local radio sending out that kind of thing to people who are not able to get to games, who sit at home. It mightn't even be interested in football, but able to sit back on an afternoon and listen to that. Mm. Hey, that, that. That was inspiring stuff, there's no doubt about that. And he would have uh, he would have taught several fellas on that team as well, so yes. that would have made it extra special for him. Uh, like he'd have had Trevor, probably Donald Curtis, Barry Callahan. And I don't know how many others, but he'd have he'd have known them maybe from the time they were twelve years of age and had them. So he they had a, a sort of special place in his heart, and that maybe it came out there in in the sort of passion in the commentary. Ah, oh, boys, you know I have a lump in my throat actually just listening to that myself again today because uh, in my early days here I came across him as well, and he was someone that you looked up to and hope to emulate in the course of uh, my time as well and he was a real icon and we remember him today Matty and Colm thank you for joining me thank you very much Jerry. I think it's nice and Matty to be able to play, pay tribute to such a great man it is indeed thank you gentlemen thanks very much thank you Matty thank you bye 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 Colm uh, O'Rourke there and Matty Kerrigan paying tribute to the late great Kevin Mallon and may I on behalf of everybody here in LMFM Radio extend our deepest sympathy to his wife Patricia son Killian daughter Megan his sisters Geraldine and Patricia and his brother Martin and all of the extended family we'll ne'er see his likes again Kevin Mallon Rest in peace. And my ears pricked up, Jerry, when I heard Kevin Mallon's voice on the radio. An absolute gentleman, and I had the privilege of being one of his students at St. Patrick's. A fantastic teacher. May he rest in peace. That comes in from Paul Jones in uh, Navin this afternoon. Well done to you, Jerry. Fantastic uh, tribute to Kevin. Um, and I have a lovely message here from Thomas Cross. Uh, nice to hear from you, Thomas, this afternoon. Thomas, who worked with us here and has gone on to greater things uh, in the world of radio and beyond. Uh, Thomas has been on to me to say, I started working uh, when I was 15 uh, in LMFM in 2003. I was still in school. Kevin used to take me out of class Monday and Friday and we'd talk about the weekend show. I'm so sad to hear of his passing, says Crossy. Thank you indeed and uh, uh, lovely words. Thank you uh, for uh, getting in touch with Thomas this afternoon. Another one there from uh, Kevin saying, oh my God, Kevin Mallon, it brings Mac back memories. What a fantastic commentator. He brought such life to the Mead games. He was simply brilliant, Jerry. May he rest in peace. Another one there from Deirdre. Oh, memories, memories, Jerry. Thank you so much for remembering Kevin today. And Dee, thank you for uh, your lovely message. Superb tribute. And so on they go. And uh, we uh, will always remember Kevin Mallon. He was a big, big part of our team here on LMFM Radio. And incidentally, uh, for uh, older listeners, he began his his career on Carousel Radio in Navin as Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson was the name he used there. And Porrick Walsh, I say hello to Porrick today, was his match analyst back then. By God, going back a few years now. Moving on on late lunch this afternoon, you know I'm a Navid angler and I fish all over the country. 
And I suppose I'm in my element now because I'm joined on late lunch by two people who work in fisheries. Uh, and they're both from County Meath. Aoife Walsh is a fisheries assistant inspector in the south of the country. And Andrew Crosby is a fisheries officer up this neck of the woods. And the reason they're with me today, you see... Uh, Inland Fisheries Ireland are recruiting seasonal fisheries officers in Louth and in other places around the country. Welcome to the show, Aoife and Andrew. Hi, Jerry. You're welcome. You're there, Andrew, as well, yes? yes I'm sorry. Good man yourself. Aoife, I'll start with yourself. Well, my God, I've been reading your CV and uh, uh, this career of yours has taken you far and wide, home and abroad, this is obviously something, uh, an area you wanted to pursue from an early age. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess um, I've always had a passion for nature and wildlife and the ocean. So I started um, in college doing wildlife biology down here in Kerry. Um, then I moved off to Canada, uh, where I was working in marine mammal research. Um, and then I did my master's in marine science as well. So even coming from a background like that into protection, um, I guess I've always had a passion for and um, conservation and the sustainability of our natural resources. Mm, killer whales, my God, that's <laughs> some job. I'm so jealous, Aoife. Yeah, it was a really, really incredible job. Um, or, or even just being in Canada out on the boats every day and mm. all the different types of marine mammals you'd see. The killer whales were definitely breathtaking, but um, yeah, it was a great experience. Now, you came home then and you picked up your studies again, doing a master's in marine conservation with the University of Aberdeen. And then you took work. You're not that long with Fisheries Ireland. 2020, August 2020, was it? Yeah, that's right. So I started um, actually as a seasonal uh, research officer. And I did that for, I think, was about six months. Uh, And then that's when I got this job and moved down to Kerry as the assistant inspector here. Um, So it was a Quick change in rules, but um, mm. definitely a good one. And eel monitoring, again, another fascinating area, the Zaragoza Sea, where they migrate to and come back to our inland waterways here in Ireland. They're, they're as much a fascinating story as the Atlantic salmon, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, I guess uh, they're catadromous instead of anadromous, so they just, they're in reverse. So it's incredible the way it's their larvae that find their way back to our li- our rivers and our streams here in Ireland. So they have a really incredible life cycle. They really do. Now, so you're down with the Kerry folk now, a Meath woman in Kerry plying our trade <laughs> down there. Oh, by God, I'll tell you, when I read your, your job now and, and a typical week when, when you're really busy during the high season, you you're, just tell our listeners, you're, you're protecting what down there? Protection is the big aspect of your work. Yeah, protection is our main goal here in Kerry. Um, so we're basically protecting all of the fisheries resources that we have here in County Kerry, um, from salmon, sea trout, sea bass, even our coarse fish, brown trout. And um, our main goal is enforcing fisheries legislation. Uh, we play a key role in the provision of conservation services. Um, and I guess our main focus on the ground is detecting any kind of illegal fishing activities or any other activities that could potentially damage fish habitat and environment. Mm. Um, So we do this through a lot of different kind of specialised surveillance and specialised patrols. We patrol the coastlines, estuaries, the lakes, the rivers, and we do this by foot, by bike, uh, by boat. We have quads and different vehicles, and we even do drone patrols. So Mm. uh, no two days are the same. (laughs) No. 
great variety in everything that we do. Yeah, and you do a wonderful job because, uh, as we know, the salmon is certainly a species under uh, threat and uh, there have been huge measures yeah. Yeah, in recent years to try and protect uh, the species and conserve. And it's a, it's a tough job. I'd say you face challenging times, Aoife. We do face challenging times sometimes, but, um, I mean, where necessary, we do apprehend and prosecute offenders. Um, and to do this, we need to gather evidence um, and we need to uh, prepare reports and we either uh, provide this evidence in court and testify as well. So there's quite a bit to it. Um, uh, but our day to day would be patrolling and surveillance for any of these illegal activities. Mm. And we're coming into the salmon season now. Yes. So we're getting very, very busy already. Mm, I'd imagine so. And you love what you do. Absolutely. Um, it's a very, very rewarding job. So basically for anyone who um, loves being in the outdoors, who has a passion for nature, the sustainability of our natural resources and protecting the environment, uh, this is definitely the job for them. Yes, and you came in on a part-time role as well and look, you're full-time with them uh, uh, now at this stage. Let's uh, hear from your colleague. He's standing patiently by the other end of the country. He's up in uh, County Cavan. Andrew Crosby, welcome to the show. You're, you're an entirely different story and this is an example to people listening today. You don't necessarily ha- have to go the route, the wonderful route that Aoife has gone. You you were going a different direction altogether. You have the, uh, an honours degree in Irish and maths. Yes, I want to be a teacher, but... Uh here we are. <laughs> Took a U-turn. What happened? What turned your head towards the job and the role you have now? Just I suppose I'm, I'm on building development, so having a carpentry background, that's kind of something I was interested in anyway, and obviously I'm big interest in fishing, so it could have made sense to give it a go. I started uh, in 2020 as a general operative, which we call development. Then last year, I did a season fishing role, and now I got full-time there in December, so mm. all going well. So angling, you did, like myself, you're a fisherman, angling was something that was part of your life growing up and that, and uh, it was always there. It's quite different from teaching a class a class of it students, is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Um, you, you, you now do a lot of development work. Just give us a feel. We heard what Aoife does there. You you do a lot of development in the Cavan Monaghan area, is it? Yeah, so we basically try to improve the access to rivers and lakes for anglers. We'll be building bridges across drains and streams. Uh, even um, the fishing stands and lakes and that kind of stuff just so people can get to water and fish and then we also do um, in-stream uh, habitat conservation stuff as well so and then improve spawn and be adding gravel to streams and that kind of stuff as well so yeah, it's something different every single day. You never know what you're going to be doing one week to another. Yeah, and by God, there's nearly more water in Monaghan and Cavan than there is land with all the, the lakes and water courses. You're busy, busy people. I'm familiar with it from pike fishing up around there. There's some fantastic yeah. fishing in your neck of the woods. And again, I suppose, dealing, you have to deal at times, do you, with riparian owners, landowners, stuff like that? I can get permission off landowners or there's a farmer or whatever. Because get permission off them to allow people the public obviously access and allow us to go and do the works and stuff. So yeah, I meet different people every single day. Meeting anglers, yeah. Mm. So if it's just something you enjoy meeting people and um, getting out and about. Obviously today brisk enough for the day today, but um, <laughs> you get used to it, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So this is something now that, as we said, that wasn't in your focus at one stage. And do you see yourself now moving on with your career in this area of work uh, in the future? Oh yeah, that's definitely part of my plan now. I'm only full time, probably about September, so in a couple of months. So, yeah, my plan is I mean, there's obviously lots of courses and training for me to do once I got in full time. So, yeah, that's my mm. plan. I keep moving up the ladder and see if I was. 
And again, like Aoife, you'd encourage people today because there are opportunities here. You sort of dipped your toe in the water as well. This is a great opportunity, these uh, seasonal roles, to uh, to experience something that could be for you. Oh, definitely. I did it myself last year, so I know all about it. stuff you never even imagine you'd be doing. Like, I never thought I'd be I could get paid to be out on the, on the lake on a boat in the middle mm. of summer. And then the next day, then we're the bridge across the drain and being anglers. And that's just... It's, it's, it's great if there's anyone there's any interest whatsoever give it a go yes yeah, oh, there you are. So, like, you know, it's it's, it's uh, thumbs up all, all round. Aoife, in terms of, of being um, a lady involved in fisheries, it might have been regarded, uh, fisheries inspectors and officers, etc., as a traditional male domain. Are there many uh, girls uh, working with uh, Fisheries Ireland? Well, there actually are, and uh, we'd encourage more women to join um, the forces as well because it's an incredible job for everyone. Um, we have another woman joining us here in Kerry, Christine Meehan as well. And there are different women around the country in operations, in environmental work, in protection work, in development work and also in research. So um, there's a good variety of women all over the organisation. And in terms of backup, going back to your primary role down there in, in protecting uh, valued species and species that are under threat as well, do you get good backup from, you know, the Gardaí if you need them and uh, if the situation uh, merits it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we require, require backup, they're quite good for um, providing that in different parts of Kerry as well. Uh, we generally have really good relationships with all our stakeholders. The guards are one of them and... Um, Yes, we work together where we need to, um, but we try to avoid any situation where we might need that kind of backup. But mm. um, definitely, definitely, um, they are great when we need them. Well, uh, the situation with salmon is a well-known one, you know, and uh, there are many factors involved. I've often spoken to Dr. Ken Whelan on the show about the, the, the underpinning reasons why the decline in the Atlantic salmon, your aspect is one of it, but there's a lot going on out in the spawning beds and the high season when they're coming back into their native rivers as well. Um, what, what What's this, the feeling among yourselves? Do you feel that, you know, you're, you're making progress, that, you, you know, salmon are coming back in greater numbers? Yeah, well, I feel in the last couple of years, you're definitely seeing better numbers of salmon returning. Um, there is definitely various factors that are affecting the, the salmon populations in Ireland, um, but up our, our rivers anyway and along our coastlines. Um, the issues I feel over the last couple of years, we've been, uh, well, we've been dealing with them very well. Um, and I think we're making a lot of progress and hopefully in the next few years, um, we'll see a much better number of salmon coming back and we'll just keep increasing the sustainability of our, our fisheries resources around the country. What about Koran and the biggest sea trout in Ireland traditionally? Will there still be a few big ones knocking around this season? Well, I hope so. There's a couple of big ones caught there a few days ago. Good. So, I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful system there as well and has a great population. So we're just working our, our best to basically do all we can to preserve that um, and conserve it for the safeguard it for future generations good um, on you and anyone who would be interested in helping us if they are um, in any way passionate about protecting and conserving our fisheries resources these roles are six months yes and you can apply online at www.fisheriesireland.ie forward slash careers and the deadline is Monday the 21st of February so for anyone who's interested in getting involved you have four days 
to get your applications in. Lovely. So that is fisheriesireland.ie forward slash careers before Monday and apply online. Andrew's gone off there. There must have been an emergency call for assistance somewhere in a lake in Cavan. I'm on in. Anyway, we <laughs> thank you for joining us. But thank you too. I've enjoyed our conversation, Aoife, and I'm sure you're going I to be to. inundated uh, with applications. And I'll run I through so. where the opportunities are now in a moment. Good luck to you. and keep, Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Keep doing a bye, great job. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Anyway, there are opportunities, folks, in, uh, beside us here. Cavan, three positions. Dublin, three. Loud have two positions. And Monaghan, one. So they're all in the area. If you want to travel further afield, there are many more around the country. Fisheriesireland.ie forward slash careers. Now, Wednesday evenings, you know this if you listen to me every day. I meet the lads, our Wednesday club. And we'd love to get together and we chat about this, that and the other and we argue and we give out and, uh, you know, the usual. And we were out last night and there were Liverpool fans out watching the big game last evening, Liverpool, Inter Milan. And it was quite touchy. They were really nervous. All the boys were nervous. They weren't sure. Uh, Milan had their chances. But in the end, Liverpool, as you know, struck twice late on to take a commanding lead. And they're on the way to the last eight of the Champions League, the pool. They certainly are. And the Liverpool contingent believe they're going to win it. They were telling us all last night, oh, they were going to win it now, that's for sure. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but let's see, time will tell. Anyway, one of the Liverpool fans said to me, my wife loves you, Jerry. She listens every day, oh my God. And wanted to take a picture of me and everything. I said, no, 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 don't do that, please. And I was embarrassed, I was. My cheeks got really flushed. Anyway, today I told him that I would say hello to the lovely Bernie Cook, who I'm sure is listening in today, who listens to Late Lunch every day. Delighted you enjoyed the show and really nice to hear something like that when you're out socially and uh, keep listening and I hope you're in uh, joy as much as you have in the past going forward in the future, Bernie. Anyway, I want to say hello to you today. Thanks for listening in and thanks for being so complimentary to your good husband to me last evening. Bernie, today, he wanted the Boomtown Rats. Not at all, not at all. For you, Bernie, just from me. 
Yes, it just has to be. They're wonderful, aren't they? I have the album, bought the LP again, and playing it on the old turntable. Bernie, between you and me, sweet little eyes, Fleetwood Mac, on the way. Alan O'Donoghue is a professional coach, trainer and facilitator with over two decades experience. I mentioned it a few moments ago, uh, working with youth and families, children of all ages, parents, carers and his wealth of knowledge is amazing. He's been a good friend of ours on Late Lunch over the years and he's back with us this afternoon. Hello, Alan. Jerry, it's good to be speaking to you again. Oh, great to have you with us. And I know we have a couple of scenarios that you're going to deal with, but would you take a question on the cuff that I just have here from a listener uh, that's just come in to me? And look, at it, we're maybe going over a little bit of old ground here, but by God, Alan, I'm sure this is a common uh, problem. I'll just read it to you. I'm constantly sure. fighting with my 13-year-old. Uh, 14, she'll be in a few weeks. Um, she got a phone over a year ago, and honestly, Jerry, it's taken over her life. She's always on Snapchat, WhatsApp, TikTok and Instagram. When I try to restrict her, she goes mad and says it's the only thing she enjoys and I'm cutting her off from her friends. She won't even come down and watch normal TV programmes with myself and her dad. You can just see if she does that she's waiting to get back on her phone. It's like she's addicted. What can I do, Alan? Yeah, Jerry. I think this is something that comes up every so often. And I think more and more for parents coming out of COVID with the the lockdowns, probably kids did spend a lot more time on devices. And I think they've gotten used to it. And parents got used to the kids being on the devices a lot more. And now we're coming back out of it and going, okay, we can spend more time together. We can do more. Things are getting more back to normal. And the kids are going, hold on a minute. I've been on my phone and and this is the way it is. And look, what, what we have to understand as parents is that Kids nowadays, they communicate through their phone. So we will look at it and say they spend way too much time on their phone, but they see it as communication with their friends. They Mm. see it as time with their friends. They see it as a way of staying connected with people that they are, are, you know, are friendly with and, and that they rely on through those teenage years. But one of the big things lots of parents feel is that once they give their kids the phone, that's it. They have no control over it. Mm. And we have to remember that, well, actually, we are the parents. And yes, we do have control over it. Now, I have no doubt there are many parents out there probably screaming at their radio saying, Alan, we'll come to our house and try and take the phone off the child. Yes. But in reality, you set the boundaries like you wouldn't allow the kids take the car and the car keys and take it for a spin at 14 years of age. And you wouldn't let them come down and dictate what's on the television because they're, you know, only 14, 13, 14 years of age. And yet we accept that they can do what they want on the phone and, you know, interact as often as they want on the phone, even if it annoys us because we see it as their phone. Mm. Well, how about we change that and go, this is this is a phone I am loaning to you. I am giving to you, right? Because I'm such a nice parent. And <clears throat> what I'd suggest is actually put the boundary in place that you think needs to go in. So if that means she needs a break from the phone for a week, so be it. Mm. Like, 
if you take the phone off her, she will tell you everything. This is the only connection I have to my friends. You're cutting me off, my friends. I'm feeling so depressed now because you've taken the phone off me. But guess what? 99% of the kids will survive Mm. because the phone will be gone for a particular amount of time and then they'll get it back. But you need to start to put that boundary in place now so that, okay, you... So there's an assumption that the child has the phone and you're taking it off them. What I'm suggesting people do is flip that on its head. So the child doesn't have the phone and you allow them to have it for an amount of time. Now, you might allow them to have it all day, every day. But if they don't, if they don't go along with the boundary and that you have in place, well, then it gets taken back off them. And it's I know it's a simple mind shift, Jerry, but it is really important. So now it is they have to earn their time on the phone. They have to earn the ability to download whatever apps they want to download. And if they are not going along with the boundaries that we have in place in this house, well, then they don't get the phone. And trust me, she will fight it. She will complain. She will give out. She may even slam the door, smash things. But then you put another consequence in place or you extend the amount of time until they get the phone back and you let them know that you're in behavior, you're in charge of your behavior and your behavior is causing this to be happening. It's not us. It's your behavior that's causing this to happen. And trust me, within a week or two, they will become, they will come on board more quickly because it is better for them to have the phone than not have the phone. Yeah. And the other thing I would say to every single parent out there is to go and get monitoring software put onto your children's phones, whether they are 10, 12, 14, 16. You can get monitoring software because you need to take responsibility to know how they are interacting online because kids need to learn how to interact appropriately online because they don't know straight away. And bullying can happen. There can be requests for photographs that you don't want your children sending. There can be so much stuff going online that we don't know about. And none of us have time to be sitting down reading all of our children's messages. And probably most of us don't want to anyway. So if we get monitoring software, what it will do is it will highlight the things that you may find concerning and then you can go and deal with Thank you, Alan. I hope uh, that is of assistance to a listener who's been in touch with us today. Now, let's talk about a scenario that you've come across in the course of your work with um, a nine-year-old daughter, uh, a quiet child, um, gets on well with people of her age and has lots of friends. But just before Christmas gone, she got COVID and was out of circulation until the new year. But over Christmas, she came to her parents and said that some of the people in her class were making fun of her. Here we are again on the group chat. So we're talking about technology again. Showed the messages to the mom and dad and they're really upset by this. She's gone back to school, but this has continued now in person in the yard. And the teacher's been supportive, but the parent is concerned not enough has been done. And funny, we were talking about uh, bullying on the show a couple of days ago, and we had a reaction, quite a reaction from listeners to say that schools don't do enough. Alan, take it from there. Yeah, and I suppose it, over the years, I've I've seen different schools and different individuals within schools take on different levels of responsibility. So some places will be very much on top of it and will deal with it really well. Others may be less so. And there are varying reasons as to why that is. So actually going back to what we just said, given that you're seeing that your child is has been receiving uh, bullying messages mm. on some sort of device, I would put monitoring software on it so you can see in case she feels afraid not to come to you. 
right? So that's the first thing. So okay. I definitely get monitoring on that. Then I would sit down with my child and ask her, what would she like to do? What does she want to do about this? Because we can ha- have an assumption that we know what to do, but that might put them in some sort of more of a position where they might get more bullied. And we want them to feel like they are part of this process of overcoming the issue because that builds their self-esteem. It builds their resilience. It builds their self-confidence. So ask her what she might like to do. And now she might turn around to you and say, I want you to come into school and punch the head of the kids who are doing it. And you can say, right, that's one option, sweetheart, but (laughs) maybe not the best option for everybody. Um, So let's look at some of the other options and give two or three different possibilities, right? So some parents will say, well, you go up and you have my permission to tell them to F off or you have my permission to punch them in the face. But then there will be consequences for your daughter with that as well. But when it comes down to it, you can step in and be the parent. And I would absolutely 100% say, stay on top of things with the school. So One of the most important pieces, though, is when you go into the school, Okay, this parent feels like the the school has done a little bit and we're supportive, but they haven't done enough to stop it from happening. Well, I would go in and acknowledge what the teacher has done, because I think maybe we've spoken about this before, Jerry. If we go in all guns blazing into the school, what will happen is the other person, the teacher, the principal, the vice principal, whoever, their back will get up. And they will be less receptive to hearing what you're actually trying to say. Because if you go in saying you're not doing enough, the school's doing nothing, they are going to start thinking about themselves and trying to defend themselves instead of understanding that my child is still being bullied. Mm. And that is the most important piece. So go in and acknowledge, look, I appreciate that you guys have been really supportive and I appreciate that you've kind of kept an eye out. But my daughter is still saying that this behavior is still going on, or I'm still seeing it on the devices. So as a group between us, what can we all do to stop this from happening? Because as we all know, no child should be coming to school worried about being bullied or not wanting to go to school because they're worried about getting bullied. And I would keep on top of the case. Now, if you have a school that isn't receptive or that isn't helping you, I would absolutely suggest that after you've exhausted speaking to the teacher, speaking to the vice principal, speaking to the principal. If you get nowhere with those, I would absolutely write to the board of management and say, look, these are the steps that I've tried. I've gone and spoken to the teacher on this date and I've conversed with the teacher on this date and I've spoken to the vice principal and the principal and my daughter is still getting bullied. This is now going passed over to the the board of, of management. You need to do something about this because my child is not getting supported and not getting the service that they deserve and that they are entitled to as a member of this school. That's now, very some important. Other people, very yeah, important. sorry, Jerry. No, go ahead. It's just some other people will tell you, look, go to the papers and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's that's kind of pouring um, fuel on the flames, fuel on the flames, so yeah. to speak. And your daughter might lose out because of that, because all of a sudden other kids are going, look at your mom, look at your dad going to the papers about something. So, but definitely do get onto the board of management if you've exhausted every other avenue first. Great advice there, uh, Alan, I have to say. With just a couple of minutes uh, before we have to wrap up, but I want to ask you about this because with the uh, lifting of restrictions and society opening up, 
you know, it's it's challenging for everybody. What about children and, uh, you know, children, young teens? What are you seeing there? Are, are there some children, because you, you've been talking to me ahead of the uh, segment here on the show today and you were saying to me about a 16-year-old that really has gone into themselves with the COVID and the, the family are finding it very difficult to get them back out there again and they, they don't know what's going on. Mm, yeah, in in my, my work, of, you know, since the turn of the year, things have have just gone, gotten so busy because what's happened is a lot of, a lot of young people. And, you know, when I say young people, I don't just mean 10, 11, 12 year olds. I'm talking 22, 23, 24, 25 year olds are struggling to manage their reactions to the actual issues that are going on. So in relation to the 16 year old, we were, we were talking about, you know, Nothing bad, in inverted commas, has happened to this person. Yeah. They didn't really like school. Like they, they, they got on grand. They had friends and stuff like that, but they weren't going, I love listening to the teachers. So ha- having been at home, they got used to that comfort of being at home and being able to work in their, their own way. And then they went back into school. And what happens or what is happening is they are creating a scenario in their heads that isn't actually the reality. So they're going in and they're thinking, everybody is looking at me. Everybody is talking about me. If I miss a day, if I miss a week, if I miss a month, everyone is going to be saying something about me. And what happens then is the reaction is complete and utter fear about going back and actually having to face up to that. And it's easier for me to stay at home than actually have to deal with it. So with any parent who has someone like that, I would say, well, one, if it's really, really bad, definitely get in touch with a a therapist or a counselor or or a coach. Drop me an email and I can make suggestions of people who you may be able to get them to work with because they may just need that little bit of support. And it doesn't always have to be a huge long-term investment by, by anybody. But then get them to start to, one, breathe, Jerry. We don't breathe properly. We breathe into the fast and short into the top of our, our, our chest instead of into our bellies. So get them to teach them to breathe and slow everything down and look at what is the reality of this situation. Like if everybody in the school talks about you, what actually happens to you? Are you going to be hurt? Are you like physically hurt? Are you going to be, is your life going to be in danger? What is the actual reality. Mm. And then you start to chunk that down to, okay, would everybody in the school be talking about you? Yes. Well, in reality, they're not. Would everybody in the class be talking about you? No, they're probably not. Maybe two or three people might talk about you, but guess what? They have their own stuff going on and very quickly they're going to forget about you. Yes, yes. So, so important to uh, digest that and take it on board. Alan, uh, fantastic as usual. If people would like to hear more, get in touch with you, tell us. Yeah, you can drop me an email to alan, A-L-L-E-N, at helpmetoparent.ie. That's the number two. So A-L-L-E-N, at helpme, the number two, parent.ie. Or check out our Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter. We're on all of them, Jerry. You're all over the place. Alan, keep on <laughs> doing what you're doing. You do a great job. I know that. And people really appreciate your expertise. And we do too on LMFM's Late Lunch. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Alan O'Donoghue there. And again, it's Alan at helpme2parent.ie. Josephine was on to say uh, the tribute to Kevin Mallon was very moving and brought tears to my eyes. Kevin was a very special person. He was a fine man on and off the pitch 
and in and out of school he will be sorely missed thank you Josephine for that lovely message we remembered and we'll always remember Kevin Mallon in LMFM on LMFM radio now my soundtrack uh, this week is the Saturday Night Fever movie and uh, talking about the movie itself it was shot on a really low budget, only $3.5 million only, but it was low in the context of movies at the time. And for most of the actors, it was their debut movie. They hadn't the money to pay the big noises. The only sort of half-established actor was John Travolta from TV at that stage. And he wasn't really a big star. However, playing Tony Monero propelled him to international stardom. And playing opposite Travolta, do you remember who played opposite him in Saturday Night Fever? In the role of Stephanie? It was Karen Lynn Gorney. She was nine years Travolta's senior. And she'd sustained serious injuries in a motorcycle accident some years previously. And it really hampered her for the dance scenes. They were challenging. But in the end... Like a good trooper, she delivered. The movie was shot entirely one location, Brooklyn, New York, and when released in 1977, carried an all-rating rated certificate. That meant that it was restricted viewing for under-17s. But it was re-edited in 1979, receiving a PG rating, which attracted a wider audience. But for many, the watered-down version ruined the movie. More about that tomorrow... Today, I play Saturday Night Fever's signature song. I just want to bring your attention to something really special that's happening uh, on Tuesday, 22nd of February next week between half seven and nine o'clock at the Johnstown Estate Hotel in Enfield, County Mead. Lovely, lovely spot. It's called Let's Talk Hormone Health. And to talk about hormone health for the next while, well, does she need any introduction? TV presenter, journalist, mum, darling of the nation, Lorraine Keane. Hello. Oh, thank you, Jerry. It's so nice to be on with you. That's a lovely introduction. <laughs> Not at all. Well, look, I've been following your story from afar mm-hmm. since yeah. you, so to speak, came out and spoke about the perimenopause. Was it mm-hmm. difficult, Lorraine, to, you know, talk about this? Oh my goodness, yes. And this was six years ago. Yeah. Um, thankfully, in the last year, um, we've really, you know, we've come very far with regards to putting the menopause and perimenopause as a discussion into the mainstream. But certainly six years ago, and particularly because probably the job that I do made it difficult to share something so personal and something that might have been slightly risky for somebody in the public eye in the career that I'm in, which does tend to be a little bit ageist on women at times. But you know what? I'd suffered in silence, Jerry, for so long, and I caused myself a lot of uh, unnecessary pain um, and stress, anxiety, pressure, and that's physical, emotional, and um, financial as well mm. over all of the years since my late 30s. Because I didn't know that I was in perimenopause, that I just thought, you know what, you have to, you have to talk about this, you have to share it because knowledge is key and um, and I just wanted to, yeah, to kind of help other women not to go through what I went through. Yeah, and, and you you say that, you know, you were putting your symptoms down to something else, you know what I mean? Working yeah. full-time, two-week girls, yeah. busy, busy life and it, yeah. you, you thought, did you feel at one stage, I'm cracking up here, what's wrong with me? 
I did. I kind of felt like I was burning out and I mm. felt like I was going a bit mad. And there were I kind of different symptoms. So sometimes I'd feel very low in my mood, which is not like me at all, because I honestly count my blessings every day for the very privileged life that I have and the job that I love and my healthy babies, um, especially. So I'd be cross at myself for feeling low and not knowing why. And then other days I'd be very kind of anxious and, and kind of nervy and and I'm a very social person. Normally, I started to, to kind of feel less confident in myself at times. So my confidence was knocked. And then there were the physical things, you know, like hair loss and acne. Like I had adult acne and hormonal breakouts, which I'd never had even as a teenager. And I thought, this is great. Another thing now to get in the whole aging process. Yes. I don't need this. Um, sleepless nights, um, irritability, no libido. Like just all of these things that that I didn't realise were all hormone-related and could be fixed um, until I, I discovered that I was in perimenopause. Mm, and you've done something about it, and the message that will come across next Tuesday is that this can be dealt with, and dealt with very well, and you don't have to go through what Lorraine went through. You've teamed up with Clean Marine. Why? Well, thankfully for them, they made me aware that what I had been suffering for probably six years before um, being introduced to them was hormone related and was perimenopause. I didn't really know what perimenopause was, if I'm perfectly honest. And anything that had the word menopause, peri or otherwise attached to it, whether I was reading a magazine and it popped up or it was online or, or you know, whatever, I just skipped right through because mm. I honestly felt that that wasn't something I needed to be concerned with until after 50. So I was just so shocked that going back to my late 30s is when I would have started the yes. perimenopausal symptoms. Now, lucky for most women, it's usually around five years before menopause. And menopause is usually 50. So you'd say maybe 45 to 50 would be in perimenopause. For the unfortunate ones, it can start at 40 and go on for 10 years. And for me, it was definitely in my late 30s. Mm. Um, but it was just, it was because of them contacting me mm. and actually saying, you know, we'd like to talk to you about being a brand ambassador for our supplement and um, I said, okay, great. And it was a natural health supplement, fantastic. An Irish-owned business, even better. But when they told me what the supplement was for, I nearly fell off my chair. Because mm. I was like, are you for real? Like, do you realise what age I am? And even the age I am, I don't discuss. So why would I go out and pretend I'm even older? So um, it wasn't until we met up. They said, no, no, we just wanted to, to run through. And on the phone, actually, they were saying things. And I was going... Oh, dear, dear God. Oh, God, yeah. Have that, have that, have the other. Um, and I met up with them and I said I'd try it for four months, which they were very happy with. And after a few weeks, I contacted them and said, I feel so much better. I'm now sleeping through the night. I was waking up three to five times a night. Um, up to that point, I just felt better in myself. And they said, you know, well, you know, this could be like a placebo effect. You know, when you think that yes. you're helping yourself yes. and therefore you feel better. Um, so it was very, very good of them. They said, you know, we're going to hang on. And I said, well, obviously. So I gave it the four months and it just changed my life, um, Jerry. And that's why I thought I should come out and, and share this with mm. people. And what's lovely about the talk on Tuesday is, and it's all the talks that we've done over the last six years, I travel with a panel. So I'm not there trying to sell a supplement yes. to people. We're actually talking about hormone health. And on the panel, we have all your options. 
sometimes it's the natural health route and it's uh, thankfully for a lot of women it's um, that's the route that you can take for others they may need to do the medical route so you know look into HRT and obviously then there's all of the things that we can do for ourselves for free which are exercise right diet well-being looking after ourselves and you see the, the talk that we're having next Tuesday has experts in all of those fields yes. so we're not trying to say this is the only solution I know we're saying Try this because it's natural and you need all these ingredients anyway in your diet for your health now and your future health. But if it doesn't work, we have other people that you can talk to. Just know your options. Yes, and you have a great team with you. Consultant endocrinologist Dr Mary Ryan will be there and Clean Marine's nutritional therapist Sarah Brereton. I'm very familiar with Sarah as well. They're great people. You make a great team together, I have to say. And uh, just to remind people again, this is next Tuesday, the 22nd, 7.30 to 9 at the Johnstown Estate Hotel. It's exit 9 off the M4. All will be there next week, but it's important to book, isn't it? Yeah. It is, because it's a lovely big room, but we want to keep the numbers small just because of restrictions still at the moment. So um, just make sure you go on to eventbrite.ie and it's Hormone Health 40 Plus. Yeah. Is, um, so I think it's eventbrite.ie forward slash or something like that. But if yes. you go on to eventbrite.ie and look for Hormone Health 40 Plus, uh, it'll give you the option to buy tickets. They're only 10 euro each. And every person that comes along on the night will also get a copy of our essential guide to female hormones, which I have to say is a little Bible mm. of security for every woman and girl out there. It goes through the five stages of our hormones, Jerry, from my teenager's age right the way through to postmenopause. And again, a whole bunch of wonderful experts in there giving advice to all the things that you can do for yourself, all of the options that you have to to get through this and as I say it's only at the stage of our hormones um, and, and live you know our best life as best that we can yeah and that is the message this can be overed with assistance with advice and support yeah. and uh, I know you carry that essential guide I saw that somewhere to female hormones it's your little bible it's always in our bag you can check Lorraine Keane out wherever know, she is she'll it is. have it with her I have a box of them in the boot of my car as well. It's so funny. So when I meet women, and honestly, women, I love the fact that this has, has introduced me to so many um, amazing Irish women. And, and, you know, it's lovely to be able to con- you know, be in contact with them at the events and obviously on Instagram and all that as well. Yes. But it's wonderful that they actually approach me on the street now. Um, and talk to me about it and talk to me about their symptoms and mm. and say thank you for, for ah, taking the taboo great. and the stigma yeah. out of this for us all. And so, that's what it's all great. about. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, I have to leave it there today. Thank you for joining me. Wish you well next Tuesday. Thanks. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Not again. at all. Take care bye of yourself. Bye bye. The lovely Lorraine Keane there. And again, reminding you that's Tuesday and the tickets are uh, eventbrite.ie, Hormone Health 40, plus all the information there. That's it for today. Tomorrow on the show, Rachel English is with us. Yes, she is. I stood her up early in the week. Will you hear the story tomorrow? David Sheehan looks ahead to the start of the League of Ireland season, among other things. If she'll start tomorrow with the storm, we have your comedy classic. And do you know your TV themes or ads? Yes, we'll have the week competition for you tomorrow to identify. Oh, you're very good at that normally. Anyway, I want to say a big thank you to Brian Farley, who guided me safely through the afternoon. Thanks a million, Brian. Really appreciate it. Eddie Caffrey's raring to go at the drive next. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Wonderful music and more besides on the way. And news through the evening. Uh, The latest update about that approaching storm, because it's going to change, it looks like, hour on air but I just say to you tomorrow take care 
don't make unnecessary journeys. It's really important. This is a nasty storm on the way. Regardless of the storm, we'll be back to create a storm between 1.30 and 3.30 on your late lunch. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.